Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Before there is new life, someone has to pass away. Something of us has to pass away. There must be a death to the old in order for new to begin. Well, if the old was so good, why would we need a new? Because the old, again, the purpose of the old covenant, purpose of the Ten Commandments and, and so many other hundreds of laws was to bring you to an end of yourself and to allow you to see that you could not measure up to God's standard on your own. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. God simply says, focus on me. He says, focus on him, focus on his word, focus on him so that you can be transformed and shaped into his image. And let me encourage you, born again believer, let me encourage you that you need to also identify. Identify as being a king. Identify as being a prince, as being a child of God, as being a born again believer. I identify with Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. I identify with him. So if the world is saying I identify with this or that, you make sure that you identify. Because make sure, make sure your identification is eternal. That's with Christ. Temporal things will fade away. It will always fade away. Hallelujah. Now let's go back. I want to show you something here. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 18. 2 Corinthians, third chapter, verse 18. Let's look at this out of the Amplified Bible this time. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 18. So let me encourage you once again to focus. Those of you that are watching and listening, let me encourage you to focus on Christ. Now look at this. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 18 says this out of the Amplified Bible. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. From this comes from the Lord. Let me start again. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more you behold him, behold the Lord, the more you behold him in his word, the more you study his word and meditate on his word, the more you become like him. As you pray and as you declare, Lord, let me see you. Your spirit man stands before the Lord. The Bible declares that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of God. You are seated, seated there spiritually. So you can command your spirit man to behold the glory of the Lord. Because as you behold him, behold him spiritually and behold him in his word, you are constantly being changed. You're being changed, changed into his glorious image. Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper with that today. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, uh, verse number 6 of the King James Version. So we've been talking about law and grace, and I'm going to show you how this relates to you even today. If you look at the very last part of verse number 6, it says, For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
We've been talking about law and grace, how the law brings you to an end of yourself, but it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that gives you new life. Death always comes before new life. Death always comes before a resurrection. God wants to raise you up in resurrection power, but he cannot do that until there is first a death, a desire in you for something more. Now, remember, the law kills, but the Spirit gives new life. As a matter of fact, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, just in a way of recap. And the Bible says here, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Notice that new creature. All things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What do they say after someone dies? So-and-so has passed away. Before there is new life, someone has to pass away. Something of us has to pass away. There must be a death to the old in order for new to begin. Well, if the old was so good, why would we need a new? Because the old, again, the purpose of the old covenant, purpose of the Ten Commandments and, and so many other hundreds of laws was to bring you to an end of yourself and to allow you to see that you could not measure up to God's standard on your own. It is as if God would tell you, I want you to be 10 feet tall. That's the command from heaven. You must be 10 feet tall. Well, no matter how hard you try to grow, you're not going to meet that. You're not going to do that. Which says to you, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. You have got to do the work. You've got to help me. Well, see, that's where grace comes in, right? The Lord puts those extra feet on you, and he enables you to do what you could not ordinarily do. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verse 7. And we're going to continue on from here. Noticing again, 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verse number 3, rather 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verse number 7 through 11. Notice what the Bible, how the Bible describes the Ten Commandments and the Old Covenant. It says, but if the, if the uh, ministry of death, notice it says ministry of death. And remember the word ministry or minister means to serve. You are serving death. So, the law served death. Remember, this death is good when it leads to new life, when it leads to a resurrection. You must come to the end of yourself before, before something new can begin. All right, it says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses, and we're going to see that again, because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Notice it calls the Ten Commandments again, the law, ministry of death. But under grace, the ministry of the Spirit. Ministry of death or the ministry of the Spirit? Look at verse number 9. For if the ministry of condemnation, that's again the law, so it says the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament were ministry of death and ministry of condemnation. All right, it says, verse 9, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. 
Notice the two covenants. One brings death and the other brings life. But it's a good death. The Old Testament is good when we die and then are resurrected, when we see our need for Christ. But if we remain under the law and just die, 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 and never have a resurrection, then that is really bad. And as we said before, there are a lot of places today that only tell you how bad you are and how, and how much you've sinned and how, how you need to do this and do that and do this and do that in order to receive God's favor and love and compassion in your life. Constantly, constantly ministering to you death, constantly ministering to you condemnation. But that has that, that can be good if it leads you to the saving knowledge of Jesus. But once in the saving knowledge of Jesus, we don't serve death anymore. We serve the Spirit. We serve life. Look at Galatians, the third chapter. Let me show you what the Spirit does. Galatians, the third chapter, verse number five. Galatians 3, verse 5 says this, He therefore that ministereth or serves to you the Spirit. All right, here's the ministry of the Spirit. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and what? Worketh miracles among you. Miracles are working under the Spirit, ministry of the Spirit. Uh, Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So miracles, signs and wonders, healings and deliverances. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. All of this is under the new covenant of grace. Are you hearing? So your focus needs to be on grace. Your focus needs to be on the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the Spirit. Now let's talk about for a moment, the Bible says here that the, that the old covenant, the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation was still glorious. The Bible calls the, the law, the Ten Commandments, spiritual. It says it was spiritual because it came from a spiritual place. God is spirit. It came from heaven. The law came from heaven. And it came to show us that we needed Christ. So the law is spiritual. But Paul said, I am carnal, sold under sin. The law was revealed to show us that we needed Christ. It was given to manifest your sin, to make sin exceedingly sinful, the Bible says so that you could see that you needed him. Because man in himself is very arrogant and is very prideful and is very puffed up and says, I can do this. That's why the Bible says we've all gone our own way. I know what's best for me. I'm going to go my own way. So God reveals his standard of living, his standard of life, and we see in his standard that we cannot make it. But once you notice something here, in Exodus, the 34th chapter, and go back here just for a moment. Exodus 34, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but just key verses. Uh, again, the Bible says that the first law or the law or the law itself was the ministry of death. It was the ministry of condemnation. And you'll see here, let's, matter of fact, let's go ahead and get it. Exodus 34, verse 29, it says, now it was so when Moses came down from, from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the, of, the, of the testimony were in Moses' hand, 
when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while they talked with, while they talked with him. So when Moses came down from the mountain, having the Ten Commandments in his hand, this was the law in its purest form. And Moses didn't know that the glory of the law was shining on his face. So when he talked to the people, they saw pure, unadulterated law. Now, what does law do? It is the ministry of death. It is the ministry of condemnation. So the law that Moses had in his hand was shining forth death and condemnation. He said, why would God ever bring something like that into us? And how was that possible? How was it death and condemnation? Because the law had glory. It was light. And light was showing up every area of sin. Every bad thing they had ever done was now shining in the light. Nothing could be hidden. So here was the perfect law of God, the perfect standard of God. Now Moses had in his hand, and he was bringing this before the people, and his face was shining with the glory of it. Well, what did the people, how did the people react? Verse 30 says, So when Aaron and all the children of Israel uh, saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were, what's the reaction? Afraid to come near him. Oh, no. 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 They were afraid of this law. Why? Because the law was the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. It brought them to their end. It brought them to their knees. It made them know, I need you to save me. Save me, Lord. Save me. And that's the, that's the value of the law, to show you that you need Christ. It reveals your sin so that you will know that you need Jesus. You need him. You need him. Now, I want to show you this as well. As a result of that, uh, God still wanted to dwell with his people. Now, this is why the Lord came down and gave them, gave them the commandments. He wanted to dwell among his people. So when the presence of the Lord came down upon Moses and he showed himself in those commandments and the glory that was on Mo Moses' face, when they saw the presence of the Lord, they couldn't tolerate his presence. They couldn't tolerate his light. They couldn't tolerate it. Let me give you an example of that. Let's say uh, you're, we talked about schools before. Some of you remember being in school. And as long as the teacher was in the classroom, you know you had to do your work. But inwardly, you wanted to jump up and throw paper around the room and go talk to something else and all this other kind of stuff. Now, those desires in you uh, were kept in check as long as the teacher was around. But when the teacher left, those desires came out. Right? Oh, some of you are saying, I heard you really loud, yeah. <laughs> Those desires came out. Those desires were already there when the teacher was present. It's just that the teacher was a law restraining them. But when there is no law, people run amok. They go crazy, right? Everything that's in them, they begin then to do. All right. So God said, I want to dwell with you. I want to dwell with you. And I want to be with you. Uh, but when they looked at Moses, God's representative, they couldn't stand it. So Moses, 
the Lord must have told him, put a veil, a covering over your face so that they cannot see, so that they cannot see the glory of the law. Now, this veil was a type of covering. It was a barrier between God and his people. It was a small cloth that enabled God to dwell among his people. Because Moses would carry, he would have the veil upon him upon his face, and he would tell people what thus said the Lord. So the Father could dwell among his people as long as there was a barrier between him and the people. Now the people knew they'd sinned. God knew that they had sinned. But this veil was over the face of God, and as it was there, God would not look at their sin. It's like um, like a parent, and you have a Maybe your child's room is really messy. And you say, I want to come in there and read a bedtime story to you. This room is really messy. This is really a messy room. And you know you're a very particular person. So how do you do? You go in there with a mask on. All right, come on. Let's sit down and let's have this story. I'm not going to look at your mess. I know it's messy. You know it's messy. But I'm covering my eyes so that I can still fellowship with you in this messy room until we can get in here and clean it all up and take it all away. So God put a veil over the face of Moses, showing the people that he's willing to still fellowship with them, willing to still be with them, but this veil was there to shield the eyes of God from their sin, to hide the people's sin. This veil was a covering to cover the people's sin so that God could be with them. Now, this wasn't the first time that the Lord did this. He did this also with Adam and Eve in the beginning. Let's look at uh, Genesis, the third chapter, verse 21. Genesis 3, verse 21, and it says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, why did he do that? Let's look at verse number 10. Further, I mean, before this, and you'll find out why the God made coverings. It says, So he said, I heard your voice. Adam and Eve realized that they'd sinned. Adam's saying here, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid of your presence. I was afraid of your presence because I was naked and I hid myself. So Israel was also afraid of his presence. And what did God do? He made a covering. He made a covering. He made a veil so that he could relate to his people. Adam and Eve sinned. God made a covering. He made them uh, tunics. Remember, Adam and Eve's, their first reaction was to cover themselves with fig leaves. And that was the, uh, really the, the invention of religion. Let me uh, make sure, let me cover my sins in something that's found here. Let me cover my sins my own way. Well, fig leaves were never God's plan, so they could never cover sin. So when God came in the fullness of the day, in the cool of the day to, to relate to Adam and Eve, they had the fig leaves on, and they were still afraid. Their covering was not good enough. So God gave them a covering in which they could communicate and talk with one another. God covers sin. Now, this, uh, this covering or this veil over Moses' face was only the prelude of something else that he would also do further on down. You notice how the Lord also made, as he began to dwell among the people of God, he gave them, of course, the Ten Commandments and the Ark of the Covenant. He eventually gave Moses the plan for the temple. And this, the temple, uh, inside the temple, there would be a place called, a room called the Holies of Holies, or the Most Holy Place. That would be the earthly dwelling place of the Lord's presence. 
so God could dwell among his people, still desiring to dwell among his people. But because of their sin, there still had to be a barrier. And that barrier was called the veil of the temple. It went from Moses' face right there into the temple. The veil of the temple, a barrier that stood between God and his people. So we could get only so close to God. Only so close. Remember, the, 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 the power of focus was still very much a part of that then, but they couldn't focus on God because they couldn't see him. Because there was always something between them. They would go to the house of the Lord and really couldn't connect with him because there was always something between them. Always something there. Always so fearful of their sins. Always so fearful. Always feeling ashamed. Always feeling guilty. Always feeling condemned. This is why the high priest once, once a year would have to go in with the blood of an animal and would have to sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat, uh, on the mercy seat of heaven, on the mercy seat there in the, um, in the holies of holies so that God could remain with his people because the Lord would not look through the blood. So there was something, a barrier between you and love. I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest love stories there, there's ever been. God always wanted to relate with his people, always wanted to be with his people. But because of their sin, he can only come so far. He can only come so far. Look at Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verses uh, 1 through, oh, just 1 and 2. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquity or your sins, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. Sound familiar? Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Look at Micah, Micah 3, verse 4, Micah 3, verse 4. It says, then they will cry to the Lord and he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time because they have been evil in their deeds. So there was always, because of sin, there was always this barrier to intimacy with God. Always feeling shame, guilt, condemnation. There was always a remembrance of their sin, always a remembrance of their sin until Jesus came. Until Jesus came. Let's look and see what happened when Jesus came, when Jesus died upon the cross. What happened? Let's look at Matthew 27. Let's do a temperature check. Are y'all still with me today? Matthew 27. So what was the problem in the Old Testament? What was the problem with fellowshipping with God? It was their sin. And, and how did God relate to his people? How could he be with them? He had to put a veil. He had, to put a, he had to bring a covering. And this covering and this veil prevented the people of God from connecting with him and from being changed. But what did Jesus do? Matthew 27, verse number 50 says, this is Jesus hanging on the cross. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Verse 51, and behold, what happened? The veil of the temple was rent in twine, or rent in two, torn in two. 
From where? From the top to the bottom. Top to the bottom, which means God initiated the rip, took hold of the veil, ripped it from top to bottom. Now look, it says here, and it says, uh, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, notice that. What was a barrier and a hindrance to the people of God for so many years? Because of their sin, God had to put a block, a barrier, a cover before his face so that he would not see their sins. God now says, no more. Why? What happened? What changed? Jesus then became our sin offering. Your sins and my sins was upon him as he hung upon the cross. God completely took away your sins and my sins. He dealt away with them so that he could fully interact with you. Now there is no veil. There is no barrier. You can come as close to the Father as you want to be. There is no veil. There is no veil. God has taken it away. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians we begin to close. 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, rather 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verses 12 through 18. Let me read this for you, and it's going to bring it a little bit closer to you, a little bit clearer to you. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 12 says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. Verse 14, but their minds were blinded for until this day. The same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. When you focus on the law, focus on your efforts and your performance, a veil comes right back over your face, preventing you from fellowshipping with the Lord. It says again, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. If you have not, if you if you're a born again believer and you're still law centered, you centered, you're still centered on your actions and what you do, and you have not died a perfect death, you've not allowed the law to have its full way in you and bring you to the realization that you need Jesus. If you've not had that revelation, that realization that you cannot do it yourself, you must have a savior. Your heart must cry out for him. And one of the greatest deceptions of the devil in this world today is for you to think that you can save yourself and you cannot. This is why people, they go on binges. They say, I'm going to do this, and I'm a, I, 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 I can't make up for the bad things I've done. I'll, I'll just go clean up trash, or I'll just try to be good to somebody else. I'll, I'll just try this, and I'll just try to do that. Maybe God will like it. Maybe he will accept it. You cannot save yourself. You cannot. 
I hope that you're hearing this. The law brings you to an end of yourself so that you can see Christ. As long as you're focusing on you and your efforts, there's a veil over your face. Preventing you, your sin will prevent you from being intimate with him. Your sin will prevent you from seeing him and being changed. Are you seeing this in the word? When you receive Christ, the veil is taken away. So not only did the Lord tear it down, no more veil. But in Christ, he takes it away. Father says, I see you now. Oh, I see you. Do you see me, son? Do you see me, daughter? He said, I see you. Look at verse 15. But even to this day, when Moses is read or when the law is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is what? Taken away. Let's look at 16 again. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It is taken away. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18. But we all with what kind of face? Unveiled faces. We all say, I want you to say that includes me. We all with unveiled faces, meaning there's no barrier between you and God, no barrier between your healing, no barrier between your deliverance, no barrier whatsoever, no barrier. There is no barrier between you and God, nothing to prevent you from seeing his face. But we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we can finally see him. And when you see him, what happens are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Now we can see him. How is it possible that we can see him? Because Jesus has taken away the sin. Remember, the Bible declares even John the Baptist uh, declared as a prophet. He said, behold, as he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus took it away. And because Jesus successfully took it away, God tore the veil. He said, it's done. It's done. And as you believe in Jesus, Jesus said, he's taken it away completely. There's no barrier between you and God. So we can behold his face and become like him. I really don't understand how people talk about what's called hyper grace and how they can say, well, I'm born again now. I have grace so I can sin all I want to. That really doesn't compute to me whatsoever because as you look in the face of Jesus, you are being changed moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. I'm changing to look like him. I'm changing and I can walk. I can walk holy. I can walk righteous. I can walk in the light as he is in the light and the blood of Jesus as his son cleanses me from all sin and unrighteousness I can be holy I can be godly how is it possible that we can say I'm saved now I got grace 
and I can sin all I want to. That's of the devil. Why would you even choose to do it? We must behold him, and as we behold him, we are changed. So, as the scripture says, and we're closing, as the scripture says, he says, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's, that's you and I. You can command your spirit to behold the glory of the Lord. I command my spirit to behold the Lord's glory and be changed. I command myself to read his word, to see Christ revealed in his word, because when I see Christ revealed in his word, I am changed. When I discover what Jesus has done for me, I am changed. Moment by moment, I am being changed. You are being changed. The more you see Christ revealed in his word, the more you spend time with him, the more you partake of his communion, you are being changed. Remember, as we said before, what you behold, you will become like. That's what the scripture says. What you behold, you become like. Look at John 17 as we begin to close. John 17, verse 24 says, here's the Lord's prayer. Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Why, Lord? Why are you asking this? Why are you saying that to the Father? That they may what? Behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus says, I want them to see me. I want them to see me. We talked about last week the transfiguration of the Lord on the mountain, how he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. Well, their reaction when they saw the glory on Jesus' face and in his body, their reaction was not to run away. They actually began to worship. Peter said, Lord, let's make three tabernacles here. Let's, let's make three shelters, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Hey, one for you, Lord. Their first reaction was to worship. But their worship was misdirected, so Father spoke. He said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Don't listen to Moses. Moses representing law. The prophets prophesy unto Jesus. Put your attention, focus in on Christ. This is the voice that you need to hear. And Jesus is praying. He prayed the Father that we would behold his glory. Don't you know that his prayers were always answered? So you have the ability to behold the glory of the Lord and be changed. And I think this was a good place to stop there today. You can behold the glory of the Lord and be changed. So focus in this culture today that encourages people to focus and be whatever they want to be. Do whatever they want to do. I want to encourage you that as we're in the last days now, Put your focus on Christ, on eternal things, not temporal things. Put your focus on him. Because even if you change the outward, the inner, if it's not dealt with, the same pain will remain. And my heart goes out for those that are really struggling in their identity. Who the enemy has really fooled to thinking that they're not good enough the way that they are. 
God made you unique. God made you special. God made you powerful. And it is the enemy that tries to rob you of the good things that God has already done for you. Remember, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Trust him. Look up, not out. Your answer is not among men. Your answer is in Christ. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word you've given us today. Lord, I pray today that you would continue to minister to us and that we would choose to identify and focus on Jesus and be changed because there is no barrier now. Your word specifically says it. There is no barrier. Barrier. There's nothing that will divide us from you. May we look to you, Lord, and be changed and live. May we search out the scriptures and see Jesus revealed. May we search out the scriptures and see Jesus through the prophets. May we search out the scriptures and see Jesus and know that our, we need Jesus even through the law. That we may be brought to the point of death or brought to the point of end, the end of ourselves, that we may know that we need Christ. It's all about Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. May we look to you, Lord and live. Lord, I submit this word to you. Lord, I, I've done the best that I can. Lord, I pray that you would take this message on in your grace, that all those who need to hear this will receive this. Lord, I pray that new life will, will spring forth from their places. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.